0: You are listening to Lighthearted, the official podcast of the United States Lighthouse Society. My name is Jeremy Dontremont. Welcome. My co-host today is Cindy Johnson of the Exeter Inn and Friends of Portsmouth Harbor Lighthouses. Although I like to think of you first and foremost as Cindy Johnson of Lighthearted. Welcome, Cindy.
1: All of the above. Thanks, Jeremy.
0: (laughs) We are recording this a few days before Thanksgiving. And this episode of Lighthearted will be heard a little over a week from now. Uh, It's getting cold here in New Hampshire, but today on Lighthearted, we're headed down to a much warmer destination, the Bahamas. Have you been there, Cindy?
1: I've actually never been to the Bahamas.
0: I've never been there either. I've been to the Florida Keys and to Bermuda, but I have not been to the Bahamas. I really want to visit there. Let's provide a little quick background for any listeners who might not be all that familiar with the Bahamas.
1: Sure, Jeremy. The archipelago known as the Bahamas, consisting of more than 700 islands, is just southeast of Florida and north of Cuba. French, English, and Spanish pirates occupied the islands from the 1500s on, but English colonists arrived in 1648 and the Bahamas became a British crown colony in 1718. The Bahamas became an independent constitutional monarchy in 1973. The population is just under 400,000 people.
0: Of course, they're in a difficult recovery period right now after Hurricane Dorian. Before we talk about Elbow Reef Lighthouse and today's interview, let's review some facts about Hurricane Dorian and what happened in the Bahamas about three months ago. Cindy, please help me remind our listeners about some of the basics of Dorian.
1: Sure. Hurricane Dorian struck the Abaco Islands in the Bahamas on September 1st with maximum sustained winds of 185 miles per hour, which tied it for the highest wind speeds of an Atlantic hurricane ever recorded at landfall. Dorian went on to strike Grand Bahama at similar intensity and stalled with unrelenting winds for at least 24 hours.
0: The damage to the islands was catastrophic. Many structures were flattened or swept to sea, and at least 70,000 people were left homeless. As of late October, there were officially 67 deaths, and there are still more than 280 people missing. Damage was more than $7 billion in U.S. dollars.
1: It was the costliest disaster in the history of the Bahamas. After its ravages through the Bahamas, Dorian proceeded along the coasts of the southeastern United States and Atlantic Canada, leaving behind considerable damage and economic losses in those regions.
0: Now, I want to give some background on the lighthouses of the Bahamas. There were many shipwrecks around the Bahamas in the early 1800s, and as a result, the Imperial Lighthouse Service of England's Trinity House built 11 lighthouses in the Bahamas between 1833 and 1887. They included lighthouses at Hole in the Wall on the southern tip of Great Abaco and Gun Key just south of Bimini. In
1: 1864, the Elbow Reef Light Station went into service at Hopetown, a small settlement on Elbow Key, one of the barrier islands off Great Abaco Island. The tower is 89 feet tall. When first built, the Elbow Reef Lighthouse showed a fixed light. In 1938, the fixed light was replaced by a rotating first order Fresnel lens with a group of five white flashes every 15 seconds, 120 feet above sea level with a visibility of 15 nautical miles.
0: The lens and rotation equipment made in the early 1900s by Chance Brothers of Birmingham, England is still in place today. The lighting system consists of a pressure kerosene burner that operates without electricity. The fuel is kerosene and the lens rotates on a mercury float. The keeper on duty has to wind up the weights that rotate the lens every two hours.
1: Bahamian lighthouses have been operated by the Port Department of the Bahamas since independence from Great Britain in 1973. The light is an active aid to navigation and the traditional hand-powered technology in the Elbow Reef Lighthouse is maintained by the Elbow Reef Lighthouse Society. In recent years, the light station has been in the process of being restored, and it has been open to the public along with a gift shop.
0: But then Hurricane Dorian struck at the beginning of September. The buildings at the Elbow Reef light station, as well as the surrounding Hopetown community, were devastated by the hurricane.
1: The Elbow Reef Lighthouse Society operates with a small staff and a number of volunteers. Annie Potts is the U.S.-based member of the Elbow Reef Lighthouse Society team. She is also the author of the book, Last Lights, the Hand-Wound Lighthouses of the Bahama Islands. As the U.S. liaison for the society, Annie helps with the historical and structural restoration aspects of the Elbow Reef Light Station.
0: I had the opportunity to speak with Annie Potts in late October. Let's listen to that conversation now. With me on the phone today is Annie Potts of the Elbow Reef Lighthouse Society. Thank you so much for being with me today, Annie. I I really appreciate it. I know it's been a difficult time, a difficult couple of months for the, uh, the Elbow Reef Lighthouse Society, and I'm sure for you so I really appreciate you being with me. Thank you so much. Oh, I'm glad
2: to be I'm glad to be here Jeremy. I feel like I'm I'm really the voice of my Bahamian compatriots but being the US liaison here um, my life is a little bit more stable than there is is right now.
0: Well, again, thank you. So, first of all, for the benefit of our listeners and also for for me, I, I've actually never been to the Bahamas. And if you could just explain a little bit geographically, could you tell us where, I know Elbow Reef Lighthouse is in Hopetown. Could you explain where Hopetown is and where exactly the Elbow Reef Lighthouse is uh, in the Bahamas?
2: Yeah, that will help um, your listeners understand what a daunting task we have uh, ahead of us. The Bahamas is an archipelago of small islands and keys that runs off the coast of Florida and down towards the eastern tip of Cuba. It covers about 750 nautical miles north to south, and Elbow Key is a part of the Abacos, the northwestern portion of, of keys and islands in the Bahamas and Elbow Key gets its name from the fact that it's at a point at which the key and the, the keys of Abaco bend from the northwest down towards, um, more towards the southeast. It was a dastardly place for ships and an important place for a lighthouse.
0: I know uh, it's a spe- all lighthouses are special in their own way, but you tell us what is special about the Elbow Reef Lighthouse. I know there's a, a few things that are extremely special about it.
2: Yeah, it 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 is one um, to make it different from a U.S. lighthouse. Uh, all the lighthouses in the Bahamas, all seven of them, built by the Imperial Lighthouse Service, are are English. Um, that's one thing that sets them that makes them different. They were built by. The Imperial Lighthouse Service over a 50-year period of time, from the 1850s, um, pretty much till the end of the end of the century. The uh, what makes us of all of the Bahamian lights different, us uh, even more special is that we are the last kerosene burning lighthouse left in the entire world. Not only are we kerosene burning, but we Continue to have keepers on site, and we continue to have our our rotating lens be turned by hand each night.
0: You have a, so you have a resident keeper, which in itself is uh, extremely un- unusual. Uh, yes,
2: and our resident keeper himself is actually third generation. So part of what we we do with the Elbow Reef Lighthouse Society, is to not just maintain the grounds of a, of a complete light station, but also um, can keep the keepers uh, with jobs and and uh, keep the history of this maritime archipelago going.
0: So the Elbow Reef Lighthouse Society, can you explain what the Elbow Reef Lighthouse Society is and what its involvement is with the Lighthouse I know the the government of the Bahamas is also involved in the operation of the lighthouse. but Can you explain that relationship for us?
2: <laughs> I, I thought you might ask that question, and when I first started to think about answering it, my response was, "Well, actually, they do. We do everything, with the exception of supply the kerosene and pay the keeper. Um, our the range of our work uh, funded totally by donation and a local uh, the local community." It could run everything from um, specking out and replacing glass on the weather glass of the lighthouse to uh, small burner parts for the 100-year-old burners to voluntarily running and building, running and manning the the gift shop. Uh, everything that it takes to keep this going. Uh, we have a great relationship with the government in that we've take, sort of taken some things off their hands, so to speak. But... We uh, appreciate their hands uh, behind us, cheering us on.
0: So the lighthouse has been quite a, a major tourist attraction in recent years. is that is that correct?
2: Absolutely. It's probably the most well-known uh, structure within the Bahamas and and it's actually on the ten dollars Bahamian bill. So wow. um it's extremely important, so important that after the hurricane when the Prime Minister, Minnis was speaking with the uh, UN Security or the, the Council on Climate Change. He stood out, talked about the lighthouse, talked about the, the community, and said, "The Bahamas will be sure to keep this light burning."
0: Well, I hate to have to move on to talk about the hurricane, but that's uh, one of the reasons we're, we're talking today. But, uh, and I know this is a, a huge question, and it's hard to, uh, to you know just answer uh, briefly, but. Could you uh, tell us uh, about the effects of the hurricane on the lighthouse and the related buildings? And actually, you just emailed me a a document. I think you uh, worked on it. And also Jeffrey Forbes, Jr., the lighthouse keeper, worked on this uh, really professionally produced document that's uh, I don't know how many pages long it is. It's what is it? It's at least uh, 12 pages long or something like that that lists all the damage that was done at the light station uh, and it's uh, it's it's impressive in its uh, completeness and and uh, detail, but it's depressing, I have to say. But so we don't have time to go through all the detail of the damage that was done. But maybe you could, uh, for the benefit of our listeners, uh, go through some of the highlights isn't the word lowlights maybe uh, of what happened uh, at the light station. But but also maybe. What happened in the surrounding community? Maybe we should start with that, actually. What, what was the effect of the community on the community of Hopetown uh, in the hurricane?
2: Well, in, in, um, in trying to help your listeners understand or get at least some sort of a feel, I think, uh, of what happened, I don't think any of us have experienced 180 mile an hour sustained winds over a period of 36 hours or gusts over 220 So it's, it's, uh, the, the, the damage, the destruction is something none of the people that, I mean, I've been going for 40 to the Bahamas for 40 years. None of us have ever seen anything of the extent of this. Particularly too, because there's more and more tourism and people uh, were more active and were more uh, around. So, so that the scale is large because there's just a lot, a lot more development that's gone on. We're very, very lucky in that the Lighthouse Society had begun with top-down um, repairs and and um, restoration on the lighthouse, and we had replaced all the weather glass outside the first-order Fresnel lens, and that didn't link it drop, so that we were very, very lucky for that. But windows, window shutters, this, actually the tower itself didn't do as badly as it might have because we really have been working on that. It was really the keepers' quarters, and their homes that were destroyed. Uh, same thing for people on the, on the other side of the harbor, which is where the, most of the settlement exists. She, just huge amounts of damage. Torn, uh, a, a storm of the size of Dorian spawns and kicks off uh, innumerable uh, tornadoes, so there's a lot of tornadic action. All the trees are, were brown. Just all of that, uh, the, the stress involved and the and all the repairs that are necessary and the orchestration and administration of recovery is just, it's mind boggling. I mean, even for me, I've been helping out for the last eight weeks. It's still, I, I'm, it takes every bit of organizational skill for anyone between, because there's no phones, there's no water, there's no electricity, there's, there's very little fuel to, to, deal with anything you know to so whatever you need to do is going to be running on a gla- on a generator you need to get the fuel there's only finally one place to get the fuel i obviously could go on and on <laughs> and the, i don't want to i don't want to frighten people but it's a monumental task for everybody and the psychological effects make it really difficult to try to coordinate <laughs> everybody yeah. but it's happening it's happening it's just like Haiti after the the earthquake, or I think we just haven't, or, or it's the coast of Florida after Mike, Michael last year. You know, few of us have just seen anything of this scale. Um, it just knocked out the two major cities in the in the country of the Bahamas. You know so yeah, you know, just lots, lots. Um, but on a on a good note, these resiliency is their middle name. <laughs> <laughs> and And a lot of people love hopetown, so uh and and the other keys Man of War key um green turtle key, all of them have a lot of supporters,
0: yeah, so you've been going back and forth yourself.
2: Absol- absolutely not. <laughs> no. I have i have been had my little command station here where I can do a lot more good than traveling back and forth. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, it, also, in pe- it, they've actually desc- up until now discouraged people from coming because you might not have a roof. They—they they don't want to supply you a roof. They don't want to supply you food. They don't. I mean, there's no grocery stores. There's
1: no—you
2: yeah. know—all of the—all of the infrastructure. I mean, just try to imagine the definition of infrastructure yeah, and it's all gone. So, um, no. So, um, I'm, I've been coordinating a lot of stuff from a lot of stuff from here. And, um, that our, our lighthouse team, uh, we have one we have one full-time employee who, who runs our office and the rest of us are volunteers and we're discussing how, how to restructure, how, what are we going to do going forward, how to go forward. Two out of, well, th- three people, two are homeless. One has children and is over in the States. The other is just going back today. It's just the logist, as I said, logistics. Um, so command central here or, or whatever you want to call it, trying to, trying to have a, uh, you know, a clear, clear uh, the ability to have a clearer mind with it all.
0: Sure. Tell us about uh, Jeffrey Forbes, Jr., the the keeper. Did he evacuate before the hurricane?
2: Actually, Jeffrey was getting his first vacation in over a year on the 20th. It started the 27th of August and the hurricane hit the first of September. So Jeffrey was stateside and couldn't get back. He also, you know, he's a family man. And as one would imagine, he would, if he came back, he would want to bring his family. It was no, it's was no place for women and children. Um, It's still minimally that there's no school, for instance, there's no, you know, all, all the things that would keep things going. So Jeffrey remained in the States and came back recently and was on Island for a few weeks. And then unfortunately his son who's over here stateside has a health problem, and he's had to return to the states. These are the kinds of complications that are coming up from this this storm that has disorganized everybody's lives.
0: But uh, Jeffrey's house at the lighthouse is pretty much destroyed?
2: Cosmetically, on the outside, both keepers' quarters lost their veranda porches, uh, the porches around the outside. There's sustained roof damage and some damage to walls, depending on which structure. Jeffrey's um sustained the worst but we had just been doing a restoration of the assistant keeper's quarters and that is basically going to be it's almost ha- it's it's habitable under m- minimal circumstances but again as i say it's hot over there anything to do with cooling down or getting water or all that requires a generator this is going this is really going to a war zone when you go back there it's getting better don't get me wrong but that's what it's been over the last uh, eight weeks,
0: uh, I guess it's pretty obvious uh, to anybody listening to this that the the light has not been operating since uh, the hurricane.
2: That was one of the big things, you know. And when the lighthouse goes dark, it's almost like everybody in the community is just is going is looking around, going, "Something's not not right. Something's not right." And so, for about the first ten days, the light was dark, and. The lighthouse Society decided, decided for morale that if there was any way we could get it set up, um, we should do that so with an extension cord and a light bulb um, not having the lens turn at first, we got the light the light going around the um eleventh of of September so that was a real a real boost to the people that lived there and and you know, just to see it, even if it wasn't turning, it was still a presence—the presence that it supplies. And after that, a few, about a week later, the um, we were able, we decided to have the the uh, lens turn. So that required the keeper to be up at night more. And then finally, when Jeffrey was able to come back after about the fifth of October, by the the night of the sixth, it was burning this kerosene again.
0: Oh, okay. Oh, I didn't realize. Oh, that's that's great news. Yeah.
2: Yeah, 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 yeah. So that, that, you know, we, we try, but we've tried as much as possible, but as you can imagine, y- your home is the first thing you want to take care of. <laughs> and, and without Jeffrey there, um, and certainly understanding his not being there, it was really hard for everybody else who didn't had, you know, had holes in their roofs or, you know, had to walk into town the three miles that they live away or whatever it was that made it really difficult. Um, I mm-hmm. just, just uh, getting across the harbor. Most people are not w- in walking distance to the lighthouse because it's it's across the, a short boat ride across the harbor, but that requires fuel. Not many people had oars. I was surprised.
0: <laughs> so just to let people know, we're recording this on October 26th. So uh, so you're saying, is Jeffrey there now?
2: Jeffrey just left this weekend in order mm-hmm. to get back for his son's uh, possible operation um and he plans to be gone uh, no longer than 2 weeks.
0: Mm-hmm. But somebody is there now operating yes. operating yes. the light. Yes.
2: Yes, when he goes the lighthouse society uh tells the government that we'll watch it during during that time. So he can he can get his vacation and um or or health leave and and uh, the light keeps going. I mean, it is an active aid to navigation. So it it's it's compulsory that it be burning
0: right so it actually wasn't it was only a little over a month that it wasn't operating after the the hurricane not thing. even
2: yeah yeah oh. yeah it was only i mean just to a little over a month back to kerosene yes you're right
0: right right you had the electric light in there for exactly for a little while yeah well, that's yeah
2: that that's always when we when we notice that the lighthouse has to be we call it on the bulb, <laughs> and, and that's the worst thing you can say about. Oh, did you see the lighthouse was on the bulb last night? Jeez, I wonder what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> Blasphemy! Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly.
0: Wow. Well, that's that's amazing. Uh, that's really good news. You hadn't told me that, so I'm really happy to hear that. Congratulations yeah. on getting the light burning again.
2: Yeah. Well, you know, as I said, it's a team. It, it's teamwork there, and. A lot of volunteer work, a lot of volunteering. I mean, people from Maine make parts for us. People over here in Florida make other parts. The Coleman uh, Lantern people make us our mantles. Everybody just, it, this lighthouse is just so blessed, you know. I mean, and it, 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 you just can't, you know, it hasn't let anybody else down, so we don't let it down, if you know what I mean.
0: Right, absolutely. So, uh, so, what is the prognosis at this point, as far as recovery goes? If there is a, a prognosis, anything you can report uh, as to the the plans at this point?
2: For the do you mean for the whole settlement or for the lighthouse itself? Uh, for
0: the for the lighthouse and related buildings.
2: Well, we're we're actually in pretty good shape there. I think. I mean, it it, it has to pan out, but one we have now we know what's damaged. We have uh, friends here in Florida who um, Jefferson Woodworking, who do a lot, have done a lot of work in the Bahamas, who have said that they'll do uh, working drawings for us for the new porches and roofs on the keepers' quarters. And I think we will be able to locate good materials. We have a two-pronged approach. One, it's important to us to keep the lighthouse burning and burning kerosene. But the other is we accept help from other people, of course. But we want... The labor to be, uh, we want Bahamians to be learning and doing. So, we have been told by an organization called uh, Global Empowerment Missions that they will fund the the cost of the materials. We just found that out. That will be great. So, once we can come up with our shopping list, so to speak, and then we we have a really good uh, Bahamian from Marsh Harbour who will is actually going to become the assistant keeper. But also is very capable. He he, masterminded once we figured out how to do it. He he installed all the weather glass on the tower. Very difficult job. I mean, curved glass, very small ledge that had to fit in and keep it isolated from the the structure, et cetera, et cetera. So so our team is coming together of you know, someone to pay for the materials. We're identifying the materials, and then we'll have the the joy of trying to get them from A to B, which is always a bit of an obstacle course, but it'll it will happen.
0: And how can people help? Can people help by donating to the Elbow Reef Lighthouse Society?
2: Absolutely, um, of course. As you can tell, we have <laughs> we have large needs, larger needs at the moment than we ever expected to have. One thing people can do, um, if they're so inclined and want a tax deduction is there is an organization called PERC, which is spelled P-E-R-C. It's an acronym for uh, Preservation, Education, Recreation, and Community. And, and their website is perkabaco.org And they are a 501c3 stateside that handle lots of the small nonprofits in Abaco. And uh, you donate to them, you can find everything on their website, donate to them, and then they earmark, and then you earmark it for us, and then it comes to us. So that's one way. And the other way is just if it's, um, PERC has a minimum of $250, but if it's less than that, you could just, they could just write a check to the Elbow Re- Lighthouse Society and send it to my address in Florida, which is Care of Potts, 700 Southwest, 31st Street Palm City Florida 34990
0: Can people make donations by credit card through the website or is that is that operating uh, presently? Uh...
2: I think at this time I'd I would say no. By the time this is aired that might be different, but as of now uh, I'd say no.
0: Okay. Uh, because of the the infrastructure problems yeah. and that kind of thing, absolutely. Uh, so- there's no
2: there's no bank in Marsh Harbor, for instance. Right, And right. And I don't uh, without the bank, then the credit card machine and all that all that other stuff. I mean, all of our all of that's uh, aside from the keepers quarters, et cetera. Our our other big loss is our gift shop. Right. Um, and, and that was our big means of bringing in money.
0: Yeah, um, so. so donations via check are, are best. and so the, At uh, this point. With that, I hope to check back with you in the future. Maybe we can do another uh, installment, an update in the future. I, I really want to do that and uh, find out what's, what's happening down the road. But I, I thank you so much for your time today, Annie, and I want to congratulate you and everybody with the Elbow Reef Lighthouse Society on everything you accomplished before the hurricane. And everything you've done and accomplished since the hurricane and everything you will be accomplishing because uh, I know there's a long <laughs> long road ahead, but I, I look forward to seeing the progress uh, as time uh, goes, yeah, as things thanks, move forward. Thanks, Jeremy.
2: It's been a wonderful group effort. It's it's horrible and almost impossible to, to deal with what's going on now. But um, we all know we just keep putting one foot in front of the other and it'll keep the light on. And, Thanks for all the other lighthouse people who have helped us out and understand our, our problems. So thank you thank you so much. Thanks for your interest, Jeremy.
1: That about wraps it up for this episode of Lighthearted, but we want to remind people again how they can donate to the Elbow Reef Lighthouse Society and help them out in their recovery efforts after Hurricane Dorian.
0: Right. The best way for people in the United States to donate is to make out a check to the Elbow Reef Lighthouse Society and to mail it to the following address. Elbow Reef Lighthouse Society Care of Annie Potts. That's A-N-N-I-E-P-O-T-T-S, Annie Potts, 700 Southwest 31st Street, again, 700 Southwest 31st Street, Palm City, Florida, 34990.
1: Or if people want to make a donation of $250 or more, they can make it to PERC, which stands for Preservation, Education, Recreation, and Community. Just go to perkabaco.org, which is P E R C A B A C O.org. If you make a donation to them, you can let them know that you want it to go to the Elbow Reef Lighthouse Society.
0: I will post all that information on the U.S. Lighthouse Society news site as well. That's at news.uslhs.org. I want to thank Annie Potts of the Elbow Reef Lighthouse Society for sharing her time and information. Check out elbowreeflighthousesociety.com for more information. We wish the Society all the best in their work and their recovery from the hurricane. They have done great work for years and I know they'll get right back to where they were in no time.
1: Thanks to the staff, volunteers, and members of the U.S. Lighthouse Society. And thanks to everyone everywhere who works for lighthouse preservation. We're all on the same team. Keep up the great work.
0: If you work or volunteer at a lighthouse, we'd love to hear from you. Please email me at jeremy at uslhs.org and let us know why you do what you do.
1: What do you love about your lighthouse? What drives you to volunteer or to work in a lighthouse? Volunteers and staff are the backbone of lighthouse preservation and education, and we want to start including your comments in this podcast.
0: So, again, please email us at jeremyuslhs.org. At and as always, thanks for listening and
1: keep, keep a, a good light.
2: light. Oh